Welcome to another Aflame teaching session. We hope you enjoy this special message by Hank Kleinschmidt. So tonight's session is, uh, um, it's, it's definitely more uh, a teaching thing that we want to be doing and it's on very specific topics and um, very uh, controversial topics to some and also a topic that we've been uh, very quiet about, I think, um, in a certain degree, you know, as, as the church, well, especially in South Africa, you guys might be in different places where you're watching from, so uh, it's probably different everywhere. Uh, but it affects all of us. So I'm, I'm super excited to talk about that. And um, yeah, so we're just waiting for one or two more people to come on. If, if you would, it would be awesome if you're on Facebook, just share it, then we can get the word out and more people can start joining. Um, I see some people on here. So I can hear some prayer requests as well from Jenny. So Jenny, we're going to see where we end. But we're, if we're not praying for you tonight, we'll do it at a, at, uh, on, on Monday night or so. Um, so we're super excited about that. We had some amazing testimonies from Monday night as well again, uh, where we had like uh, the lady with the pain in the eye that got healed. Uh, basically, had a word of knowledge for um, uh, Brits uh, and his eye got completely healed. Uh, I think it was Martin's mother that had the pain in the foot or the hand and that got healed. And so we've, we've got some really cool testimonies out of that and I'm, I'm sure there's, there's more to come. So, so we're excited to... Uh, uh, to keep doing that and just keep trusting the Lord for, you know, for breakthrough in that area. So, um, so that's fantastic. But anyway, so let's, let's just close our eyes and let's pray together. And uh, let's just invite the Lord into what we're going to be talking about tonight. So Lord Jesus, we want, want to thank you. We, we love you. We, we're just so grateful for, for who you are. We're so grateful for how wonderful, how amazing you are, Lord. Thank you for mercy and grace lord thank you that you say your mercies are new every morning that every day we can start fresh we can start with a new expectation of things that you want to do in our lives lord thank you that even as we come tonight i pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation will fill every home fill every heart every person that's watching lord that, that spirit of wisdom and revelation will come and father my desire is that we will get understanding uh, that you will help us, Lord, that you will teach us in this season, teach us how to love better, but also teach us how to be stewards of the truth, knowing that the truth sets us free, Lord, and help us as the church and as a small representation of the church to really grow uh, in the areas that we're going to be talking about tonight and how to handle these things, how to be um, um, ambassadors of the kingdom and ambassadors of your nature, Lord. And we love you for it. We praise you for it, Lord. I pray, watch my words. Help me inspire my words and my thinking tonight. It will be your heart that I represent tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Fantastic, guys. So, so I, I, I said we're going to talk tonight about kingdom identity. and We're specifically going to talk about the issues of race and gender uh, in that capacity. And obviously, as you know, like, you know, the world has gone crazy uh, just with so many divisive stuff happening um, at the moment regarding race uh, and gender, you know, and it's not a new topic, but at the moment it's really highlighted in South Africa because of things that happened in America. And, and obviously South Africa has a history of stuff, which is, um, you know, something that, that makes us kind of unique in this topic as well. Although 
This is not specific to us and it's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. This is not new either. And the issue with humanity is just, you know, that we, that we like to feed our own insecurities by building up a prejudice against other groups, you know, and, and that's basically what we do as humanity. But Jesus came in Luke 19.10, it's the whole story of Zacchaeus, and he speaks and he makes this statement, and, you know, I'm, I'm probably speaking to believers tonight, so in some sense I'm probably speaking to the wrong group, but as believers we also need to do better in the stuff that we're talking about, right? Um, if you're watching and you're an unbeliever, that's fantastic. And, and, and you know, some of this stuff might be strange to you. But the point is that uh, humanity has to find its way back to God if we want to resolve the issues uh, of the day, the issues of the hour, the questions that, that society doesn't seem to have answers for. We actually find in the person of Jesus and in God and in his word. And that's what tonight is about, to have a kingdom perspective to look at these things out of the kingdom perspective and just see what does the word say? What is the heart of God about these issues? Because the reality is we're going to have to answer to these things a whole lot more in the future. It's not something that's going to go away. And we need to be ones that can actually talk about this stuff and say, this is what the Lord says. This is what we feel about it. This is why we feel what we feel. And this is why it's important, right? But, but Jesus makes this statement in Luke 19, 10, where he says, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost, like real famous verse, right? Right after the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, so the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't say the ones, he didn't say people that were lost. He says that which was lost, which is an interesting, you know, statement already. And immediately that should stir something in your heart about what, what is he talking about? What is the thing that was lost that the Son of Man came for? What did he come to restore? What did he come to seek or restore in mankind that we lost somewhere along the line? And that's a super important question. You know, that word lost uh, is the Greek word uh, apulumi, and that means to destroy, to put to an end, right? So it's almost like he says, I came to seek and to save that which was destroyed, that which was put to an end. I came to seek and to save. Another meaning is that which was rendered useless, that which was marred, right? Marred, like distorted. And that which was destined to be put to death. Like, so, so that's a phenomenal statement that Jesus makes here. That word lost is like a, it's a super powerful word. And they probably could have translated it in a couple of different ways. But, but in that word, there's a lot of meaning. And, and Jesus is saying, listen, I came to seek and to say that which was marred, that which was destroyed, that which was brought to an end, and that which wants to be destroyed, right? And you have to go, like, what is Jesus talking about here? Because the context of the story is he went to Zacchaeus' house, who was a tax collector. They weren't the most popular guys uh, in, in, you know, in town back in those days. In fact, they were thieves and crooks, and they kind of partnered with the Roman Empire. So they were seen as traitors uh, by the Jews, right? So this is not a popular guy. He extorted. He was corrupt. This is kind of what tax collectors were. And Jesus skips everybody in that town, and he says, listen, I'm, I'm coming to your house today. I'm going to eat in your house. And he sits with him and, and suddenly Zacchaeus, something changes in his life. He has this encounter with the Son of God, with Jesus. Uh, his life changes in that moment. And he goes, listen, I'm going to give, I'm going to pay everybody that I robbed. I'm going to give them back money and I'm going to give half of my fortune. I'm going to give back. So one guy just changes the whole society. And Jesus goes and he says, that's amazing. You know, salvation came to your house today. And then he makes the statement, the Son of Man 
has come to seek and to save that which was lost, that which was destroyed, that which was marred uh, by, by, by what, right? And what is he talking about? And I want to suggest to you that, that the thing that Jesus is talking about is his image or the image of God, the image and likeness of God and man. That is the thing that was marred. That is the thing that was destroyed, that was brought to an end, right? And I start here because we need to lay a foundation for where we're going, right? Because Genesis 1 Verse 26 to 28, famous verses in creation story where God speaks and he says these words that we all know. He says, then God said, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image according to our likeness, right? The Amplified actually adds these words, not physical, but a spiritual personality and a moral likeness. And let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, etc. And he goes on. But the crux of, of the issue is that we were made in the image and in the likeness of God, right? So we, we resembled, Adam resembled who God was. And, and that's where everything starts. And when Jesus speaks in, 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 you know, in this verse in Luke 19, he's saying that which was lost, what was lost the minute that Adam and Eve rebelled against the Lord, what was lost was the image and the likeness of God in humanity. That is what was lost, right? So that's what went wrong. That's what twisted. Suddenly God looked at Adam and Eve and he went, I don't see myself anymore. Where that is all that I used to see when I looked at Adam as he saw himself because it was the image and likeness of God. But that very thing is the thing that got marred by the fall of man and by man's rebellion and our choice to, to eat from the tree of the knowledge um, of good and evil. And when sin entered the world, our image and our likeness got destroyed right so that's the first thing you need to remember that jesus actually came to restore the image and likeness of god in humanity that's what he was doing that's why you're a new creation when you get born again why everything changes second uh, corinthians 5 speaks about it um at length right so everything changed in that moment and the image of god was restored inside of us now if you if you read the bible as a christian as a non-believer as well, if you read the account of Genesis and, and you read image and likeness of God and skin color comes into your mind, I want to tell you that you are flat out deceived and you're missing the whole point of the story. If, if you think image and likeness of God and you see a certain kind of person in front of you, a skin color, eyes, that is absolutely not what God was talking about when he said you were made in his image and likeness. In fact, maybe it's good news or bad news, but I want to tell you the way we look is actually the product of the fall. So this is not, this is not God's A plan for us, right? It's, you know, we're grateful for what we have. Of course, we're grateful for our bodies. We're grateful for all of that. But this is not God's A plan for society that we look like this. When he said image and likeness, what does God look like? Right. And, and this is important because I, I've actually seen people send me questions in the last month or two during lockdown. I don't know if people got bored or what happened, where people are actually trying to prove out of the creation account that that the first man, Adam, must have been white because I don't know something about his name that he can blush. And I'm thinking, are you, have you smoked something? I mean, how, how do we get in that direction that that's what we actually think? Right? So what does God look like? And I'm being really serious about it. You need to ask yourself that question. 
Because is, is he the lion of Judah? Because sometimes he looks like a lion, apparently. Right? If you read Revelation chapter 5, the, 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 you know, John has this encounter in heaven. There is an angel around him. You know, everybody's kind of sad because the scroll is not being opened. The next minute, the angel says, don't worry. There is one who's overcome. There is one who is worthy. And the next minute, John says, and behold, I saw the lion of the tribe of Judah come out. And then he describes the lion and he says, the lion looked like a lamb that was slain with seven horns and seven eyes on his horn. So is that the image of God? Right? Or, or is that the image and likeness maybe? Or is it the lion? Or is it light? Or is the one that's face shines so bright like the sun? If you can see skin color when you look into the sun, that's really impressive, but I cannot, right? All I see is light. That's what you see. You see light. Second Corinthians 3 says that the Lord is what? Spirit. The Lord is spirit. And so the minute that we read the story of creation and we, we picture a certain group of individuals as like that's what he was talking about. Very, and all it shows is our insecurity and our orphan spirit that we're actually looking for proof to make us feel better about something that is absolutely ridiculous. When image and likeness, it was about the essence of God, the nature and the character of God was placed inside of us. The power of God was placed inside of mankind. That's what image and likeness is about. Guys, this is so powerful if we read it out of this place. Because the minute that you limit it to skin and flesh, it's limited. But if you understand that you were made in the image and likeness of the creator of all the universe, that his nature, his capacity to love, his capacity to be righteous, his capacity to be joyful, to be full of peace, to be full of hope, to be full of power. When you realize that's what he said, I mean, oh my goodness, who doesn't want that? That is the best news in the world. But if you think image and likeness is about a certain tone of skin, we're completely missing the point. We're completely missing the topic, right? In Philippians 2, it says that when Jesus came, Philippians 2 from verse 5 is such a powerful scripture where it explains the story of Christ. And he says, therefore, brethren, have this mind amongst yourself, right? You know, be like Jesus. And he goes on and he explains this. And then Paul writes and he says, Jesus who although he existed in the form and the unchanging essence of God, there's that idea of image again, as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity. Do you see? That's, that's God, right? Did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted, as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it. But here's what I want you to hear. But emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Right? Why, why am I reading it? I want you to see that when Jesus came, he took on the form of man. God doesn't look like us. Jesus took on the form of man and he happened to choose the Jewish people. And for some reason, you know, we saw these Jesus films and uh, the first Jesus films, Jesus was really very white and long, straight hair and all of that. And 
that's awesome. I mean, they tried to get, get a message out there. I get that. I don't think he was that white, to be quite honest with you. In fact, I think he was probably a lot more towards the dark side because he was a Nazarene. And so he could have been black, right? And my point is, what does it matter if he was or if he wasn't? That's not the point. He took on the image and the likeness of a kind of people to relate to us, to show us, hey, that which was lost, I'm restoring that to mankind. I'm going to place my spirit inside of you and your spirit is going to be born again. If it was about a race, then why isn't it when we get born again that we all get the same skin color? It was about a group of people or race, right? If that, if, if that assumption is true, then you need to carry it all throughout from Genesis to Revelation. If that is true, then when we get born again, we all should have started looking the same. But we don't, right? Because he actually thinks you're awesome. You are made in the image and likeness of God. That's about his nature, about his ability, about who he is. And that's powerful, right? It was never about this, right? This thing is temporary, man. We're going to lose this thing. And if this is causing division, then we are missing the point. We're missing what this whole story was about. He took on the form of a man. Why? To be relatable, to be accessible, to show us, hey, guys, there's a better way to live. And I'm going to be the perfect sacrifice that restores what you had in the garden before Adam and Eve messed it up. So what was that? The image and likeness, right? It's the restored image of God in mankind. That's what that thing is about. That's what he wanted us to see. That's what he wanted us to get, right? You are made in the image and likeness of God. And that's about his nature, his power, his ability. That's phenomenal news, guys. And when Jesus died, when he said, it is finished, you restored that inside of us to ever says, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the son of God and his spirit is filled inside of us. And you get a new spirit. And out of that spirit, we become a new man. We become transformed, right? That's the whole point. The point is that we're a mess. The point is that we're not who we're supposed to be. Without God, we're not who we're supposed to be. We're lost and we're confused and we don't know where to go. And, and people always kind of, you know, what does that mean to be lost? It means that you lost the image of God. And if you lost the image of God, you lost destiny, you lost purpose, you lost identity, you lost security. You, we, we lost, we lose so much without God. We're, we're confused people and we don't know what to do. And we make a mess of life. Even with God, we still make a mess sometimes. But without him, we're completely confused. We don't know who we are. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. And that's what society, that's what we are. And when Jesus came and he saw that Zacchaeus guy that was confused, he was lost, he was a bad person, he didn't do what he wanted to do, he wasn't who he wanted to be. When God saw, when Jesus saw this guy's life change, he went, man, salvation came to your house today. And he goes, hey guys, this is why I came, to seek and to restore that which was lost that which was marred, that which was destroyed in mankind. That's why I came, man. I wanted to fix that thing, you know? And it's so important that we keep this stuff in mind, that, that, we, that we get perspective on, on the conversation. Because we have to be able to see humanity and people that's different than us. We have to be able to see them out of this view, which is God's perspective on things, right? There's not black or white, Indian or this. There's not a gender issue or a race issue. That's not the issue. The only issue is born again or not born again. That should be the only issue. And like I say, even in that, we've messed it up, right? 
But that should be the only issue is born again or not born again. That's the reality of the story because when we get born again, that image is restored inside of us and something changes on the inside and God makes us new and we get perspective on life once again. Remember, God loves his creation. God loves what he made. God loves who he made you. God loves your gender. God loves your race. He loves it. He chose you this way. He destined you to be who you are for a time like this. He had a plan with you. He's excited about you. He's super excited about you. That's God's perspective, right? We're going to get to man a little bit later because man screwed it up. I know. But God, God is, he loves you. Look at this scripture, powerful scripture. It's in Acts 17, verse 24 to 28, where it says, The God who created the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, right? So why does Paul start here when he, when he makes this statement? Because he wants to just remind people, hey, you're dealing with the creator of heaven and earth. And if you believe in, in you know, evolution or whatever, you know, that's okay. You, you go on that path. But I find it, it's impossible that there's not a God. And listen, if there's not a God, by the way, then no lives matter in any way, right? If there's not a God, why does any life matter? Black, white, pink, or purple, it really doesn't matter. If God is not the creator, if God is not the designer behind life, no life matters, right? Why can't we just kill somebody? Why can't I just take what I want from somebody and not care? Irrelevant of their color or race, nobody matters then. The only reason why people matter is because God made them in his image and likeness and the fear of the Lord should be on you. If there's not eternity, if there's not judgment from the Lord, if there's none of those things, why does anything matter? Then we can all do just what we want, right? Because there's no reason to not to. But if there is a creator, that changes everything. And maybe that's why creation story has been attacked and destroyed over the years, right? Because if I can remove God from the, from the equation, if, it, if I can remove God out of the conversation, then we can all do what we want. And we can sin and enjoy our sin. And we don't have to change. We don't have to be accountable to anything, right? But if there's a God that created everything, that changes things. Because he had design, he had purpose, he had destiny that he saw inside of people. And that's why he released that, right? So when Paul speaks to these unbelievers in in Greece at that point in time, this is how in Athens, actually, he starts this conversation. He says, he created everything, right? Since he's the Lord of heaven and earth, he does not dwell in temples made with hands, right? Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. He doesn't need anything, right? He's self-sustaining. He's okay. He's, He's God. Because it is he who gives to all people life and breath and all things, right? He is the author of life. That is why life matters. All lives matter, right? That's why lives matter. It's because somebody gave them breath. Somebody gave them life. Somebody designed the person next to you. That's why that person matters. Because there's a God who made them who's powerful. That said, I want you here, right? And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their lands and territories. Listen, so here you see how God made nations, like different races, different ethnicities, different tribes, different languages. He made it, right? He destined it. 
And then to say that that's a mistake, that is absolutely arrogant and prideful if you're a believer. To say that that's a mistake, that that, that person, that race group or that group, they're, they're lesser or they're not this or they're not that, that is so arrogant, right? To, to actually say that, God, you made a mistake with what you made. To say, God, you made a mistake with my gender, that is just arrogant, right? That's just saying, uh, God, uh, especially as a believer, as an unbeliever, I don't expect you to, you know, it doesn't matter to you, but you're still going to feel funny on the inside about it. But to say that God made a mistake with my gender or with my race or the color of my skin, that is basically saying, God, you're not that perfect at all, so you actually messed this thing up, right? That's not the right way to approach this topic, right? He said, he set these things up. He set things in position. He placed people in that, in that place. So um, point of this was so that they would see God if perhaps they might grasp for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. So no people group is excluded. Anyone can find him. Anyone can seek him. He is to be found by anybody who says, I need to find God. He says, I'm available. It doesn't matter the color of your skin, your gender, your language, social class, income class. It doesn't matter. He said, I'm available to whoever wants it. I'm not far away. I'm near. So come. Just come, right? Um, for in him, we live and move and exist. We have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. So here's just a picture of saying God loves nations. He loves different tribes. He loves different tongues, right? In, in Revelation 7, which is a picture of the end when all the people, when the judgment has come and people are worshiping before the throne, listen to what it says. He says, after these things I looked, and this is what I saw, a vast multitude which, could, which, could not, which no one could count. They gathered from where? Every nation. And from all the tribes and peoples and languages of the earth, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, dressed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and in a loud voice they cried out, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb, um, who is worthy of our praise. Isn't that phenomenal? Every tribe and every tongue and every language is going to stand before the throne and worship God in their language. And it's going to be beautiful, man. It's going to be phenomenal when creation comes together, everything that is made, every nation comes, and they bring their worship, their kind of worship, their way of expressing themselves to the Lord. And they bring that to the throne of God together. And suddenly a full picture of God in man is going to be seen in that moment because every language, every nation, every tribe carries a specific DNA of the Lord that others don't. Right, and it's to be celebrated, it's to be loved, it's to be enjoyed because it's awesome, right? It's fantastic when these things come together in a place and that which was lost is restored. What is that? The image of God inside of man. And all of us bow before the throne and we say, Oh God, we love you together as black, white, Indian, pink, purple, doesn't matter, male, female, we're gonna love you together, Lord. We're gonna worship you every tribe and every tongue, right? That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of what's happened. That's the beauty of different tribes and different tongues. What's the first thing that happened when the Holy Spirit got poured out in Acts chapter 2? The disciples started speaking in all the different languages of the world. Isn't that phenomenal? So the Spirit gets poured out and suddenly humanity is united in that moment by the Spirit of the Lord. And everybody in Jerusalem says, 
what, how can it be? I'm hearing, I'm hearing these Jews that don't speak my language. I'm hearing them praise God in my own language. I'm hearing them sing the praises of the Lord in my own language. Isn't that phenomenal that when the Spirit came, suddenly the dividing walls came down. Suddenly, people are worshiping in spirit and truth, and everybody can hear because God loves nations. He loves cultures. He loves languages. He loves different people. And it was never about the color of our skin, but it was about the image and the likeness of God being restored in mankind. And that's what happens when the Spirit comes. We have the capacity to be people that love again, people of truth, people of righteousness, people of justice right? That's who we become the minute that we get born again. We actually have eyes to see. That's why the blind guy in John 9, he said, I once was blind, but now I see. What do you see? You see who you're supposed to be. You suddenly realize that this isn't who I am. I'm not that guy that messed up and I'm not a womanizer. I'm not these things. I'm actually supposed to be like him, right? But the reality is that every one of us because I mentioned this because I've been listening to videos. I've been seeing a lot of stuff. And it, some of it's been amazing. But, you know, people doing interviews about, you know, Black Lives Matter, the movement. I'm going to talk about that in a minute as well. But people share stories. And some of it has been really phenomenal stories, which I think everybody, white, black, Indian, doesn't matter who you are, you should probably listen to those stories. It's really good stories. And some of the guys really shared out of an awesome, beautiful heart, sharing their testimony about how they experienced life. But one of the things that I keep on hearing out of the story is I never felt that my life mattered. And then it's kind of connected to poverty and race, right? And the more I listened to it, something inside of me just went, man, this is not right, right? You know, because in essence, what we're doing is we're saying that because of the color of my skin or because of my gender, I never felt that my life mattered, right? And that is... That, that can be true in the sense that you never felt that your life mattered. But I want to tell you something. It's not about the color of your skin, your social background, or your gender. That is about the fact that we don't have God. And until we get God, suddenly that void is filled. Suddenly the image and likeness of God is restored back on the inside of us, and our life makes sense. Suddenly we go, oh, like... Everybody walks around. Listen, man, you, you, I, I bet you we can, we can interview anybody that's a born-again believer today. Rich, poor, white, black, pink, purple, does not matter who you were. Before you met Jesus, you felt like that. You felt like your life didn't matter, and you felt like you're not who you're supposed to be. You didn't have words for it, but you felt this void on the inside of you, and you couldn't fill it. I can testify about it because I grew up, I'm, I'm Afrikaans, I grew up in a middle-class, Afrikaans, white home, conservative church background. Um, I had a wonderful family, and I felt that. I always felt I don't fit. I always felt I don't know who I am. I don't belong. I don't know what to do with life. I didn't have answers for, for questions. I didn't understand who I am, right? I didn't get it. And back in the day when I was younger, a lot of things that's very available today wasn't that available, Right? So, Because what, what does the world do? The enemy knows that you have a void. Scripture actually says, Ephesians 2, verse 1, 2, 3, you can go and read it, but it says that we were all, listen, all of us. <laughs> Let me read it because it's going to help. Uh, it says, and you were spiritually dead and separated from him because of your transgressions and sins. All of us, 
right? So you were separated from him. What does that mean? The presence, the image, the likeness, you were removed from that. You were clueless. He goes on, he says, in which you once walked. You were following the ways of this world. That is exactly who I was, man. That's exactly who every single one of us was before we truly got born again. And until we get born again, we will follow the ways of the world. We're going to believe that what they say is true. Why? Because the enemy hates you. <laughs> the enemy would love for you not to have the image and likeness of God in you. The enemy would love for you to feel worthless the rest of your life and blame it on race or gender or whatever. Listen, this is not, this is not who we are. We can't be those people, right? Everybody has this void. We all felt, I'm not who I'm supposed to be. If you, if you listen to, to some of the stories out of the Black Lives Matter thing, that's one thing, my life never mattered, right? Which I, I'm going to get into that as well because we'll get to the practical side of things in a minute as well. If you listen to people that's involved in the LGBTQ stuff, what, will you hear? what, what do you always hear? I always knew from young that something was wrong. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not who I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be in a different body. That's kind of the narrative that you always hear. That's the conversation. And they're not lying. They actually mean what they say. And then they go, yeah, but, you know, I always should have been, or there's something wrong in my body, or this, or that, or whatever. Listen, that is just not true. I'm sorry, it's just not true. The issue is you have a void on the inside of you because you don't have God, right? And that void is asking questions. That void is looking for validation. That void is looking for anything that can tell it, Listen, this is why you feel the way you feel. And you're hoping that you're going to feel better. My void created the sex, drug, and rock and roll lifestyle. It's sin. It's an issue, right? Other people's void create racism or hatred of other people groups. Other people's void say, because of TV, by the way, and that's why exposure is important, right? Listen, when I grew up, certain things weren't pushed in your face. It is like, like it is today, like the whole LGBTQ thing. And you can't put on a TV show and it's not the reality. It's like, if, if you look at TV, you're going to believe that the whole world is gay. That's literally how it feels to me. It's like, well, we're at least like 70% gay, the whole, whole society. It's not true. But the point is, there's a principality and a power. It's a spiritual thing that's trying to push an agenda onto believers. And what does it do? It's like marketing from the enemy. And it's saying, listen, you have a void, this can fill it. Oh, you don't feel right? Listen, I've got the answer. I've got the answer, right? Isn't that what Satan did with Eve? If you want to be like him, if you want to feel better, if you want your life to be better, listen, just do this, right? This is really going to help you. And what happened when they did it? Everything crashed. And it's the same with this stuff. We have this void and we go, oh man, this thing needs to be filled. What, what can fill it? For me, it was alcohol and cigarettes and, and, and drugs and, and you know, uh, immorality when it came to women, womanizing, all that. That's, that was my void. That's how I thought I can feed this thing. And what happens is you feed it, but you never feel better, right? You never feel better. You never feel the void is filled now. Why? Because there's only one that can fill that thing. There's only one reality that can change that. It's not about your poverty levels, right? It's not about the color of your skin, right? I was white in a white home, and I didn't know who I was. I didn't feel like my life mattered. I didn't feel I have a purpose. I didn't understand why I'm here. It sucked, right? And everybody feels that way. Everybody feels that way. 
But the message has come. The world is pushing this thing that, ah, it's because you're black. It's because you're white. It's because you're a woman. It's because you're a man. It's all of these things. And what is the purpose behind it? They want to break and mar and destroy the image of God in us more and more. So that we're broken people that hurt other people, that we're broken people that cause damage and shame wherever we go and destruction is what's left behind us. And it's not God's plan for anybody, right? God had an incredible plan and he wanted to restore that thing inside of us through the blood of Jesus. Listen, what determines your value, what makes your life matter is the minute that you realize the God of all creation, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died. And he valued you so much that he paid in blood to redeem who you're supposed to be. That is what makes you matter. That is what tells you, listen, you're loved. You're awesome. God loves you. That is what brings the change, right? That is what makes us feel like my life does matter. My goodness, God died for me. He was willing to pay the ultimate price, die for me. So that that which I lost, not by choice, but I'm a sinner, I'm lost, I'm dead, I'm following the ways of the world, that can be restored. And I can actually have the nature and the character of God again, which is love, truth, peace, mercy, righteousness, justice, right? And suddenly my life has meaning and, it has, and it's on course to what the Lord wants. You have to watch what you feed your children with. We have to watch what kind of conversations we have around the table. Listen, if, uh, you know, if, if I think back of some places I visited or even in my childhood days, not our family, but people we were around, you, you would hear these um, statements about different race groups, right? Just a, a quick statement and, and all the grown-ups would laugh. And as a child, you would kind of be like, I don't understand. What are we talking about? Who, who are these people that they speak so horribly about, right? And you go, oh, okay. And then at first you don't understand, but then later you get, oh, we're laughing at a certain group of people. Okay. And, and the point is, as a child, you're, you're so easily influenced, right? And you look at that and you go, oh, okay, that's the way it is. Oh, those people are really this, or those people are really that way. Or you watch a TV show and you go, oh, you know, like Modern Family, the cute gay couple on there, which is not, it's absolutely demonic. That sort of story has got one purpose and it's to desensitize us. And it did a good job with lots of people. Because you look at that and you think that's great. It's not great. That's horrible. But as a child, you see that and you go, okay, that's okay. I mean, look, they look happy, right? That's all right. And suddenly that becomes an option to fill the void. But we just allow any garbage to come into our homes, into our lives, into our children's lives, into their, you know, their, their, their world, and we allow it. And it's irresponsible for us to be able to do that. It's not good. The same with alcohol, man. If you're an alcoholic and you keep drinking in front of your children, why do you think they're not going to drink one day? I mean, it's just crazy. They're going to do what they see, right? If, 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 you, if you are born out of the, um, you, you know, we, we work in the trans sky. So that's, I just want to add this as well. I'm talking about this stuff because I, I, have, I have experience on what it feels like when racism is played against you, right? Because that, that happens to me a lot. And I also know what it feels like when the racism inside of me is challenged. You know, we have a, a foster a, a daughter in our house. Uh, she's black. Uh, she's in my home. And I thought I was great, but she brings out certain things that I didn't realize about me. But I have so many black friends. I have close up friends. I have Sutu friends, good friends in my house, sleepovers. We work together. We do life together. 
I love them. They're amazing people. So that's, I can speak on both sides of the spectrum, what it feels like to be discriminated again because of the color of my skin. And you might think that's crazy, but it's true. I know what it feels like to be distrusted because of the color of my skin. I know what it feels like when people are skeptical of me because of the color of my skin. I know what that feels like. I, I experienced it. I'm, I'm a missionary. I know exactly what that feels like, right? It sucks. But because my identity, my image and likeness is fixed in the Lord and who he is, it doesn't get me, right? Because I'm like, they just don't know. They just, they just, they're, they're stuck in a place and they need their eyes to be opened. We can't be those people that are going through life and influencing our children in the wrong way. We set the example. We open the door. We advertise opportunities or options to fill the void. And listen, if you don't get your children, get those around you to fill that void with God, trust me, the world's going to offer them something. Trust me, they will. Right? If you don't watch over them, the, that void will be filled. It's not God's heart for us. We need to get back to a place where we expose our people around us to the truth, right? Because the truth will set you free. Set the right example, right? Set the right example. You know, in, in, our, in our rural communities where we work, and it's like that all over Africa, and that's a fact because I've been in many nations. I go to the poorest of the poor and I preach there. That's what we do, right? So I, I can speak on these things because I have experience about it. And I have friends that's going to tell you the same, right? Black friends with the same story. Like in, in where we work, in the area that we work, the, the amount of families that actually has a, a father and a, and a wife in the same house, I mean, if it's 10%, that's a lot. If there's 10% of whole families in those villages, that's a lot, right? So why do we think that maybe somebody feels like my life doesn't matter? Don't even know who the father is. Don't see the father. Kind of just, you know, the, the, mother had a, the mother and the dad had a good time somewhere in Cape Town or Johannesburg, and now there's a child that it's inconvenient, so we send them to grandma. Grandma needs to take care. Of course you're going to feel like your life doesn't matter. I don't care what color you are, man. It's the same with white kids that parents aren't there because they work themselves to death. They never see their dad. They don't feel like their life matters. It's got nothing to do with the color of your skin or where you come from. That's got to do with decisions that we make that affects the next generation. You know, we, we have to be real about this stuff as well in that regard. I'm going to keep talking and we'll get to some of the other things, right? Um, Psalm 139, verse 13 to 14. I just love that song. Uh, it, it says the following. Um, you formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. Um, I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is so marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. Listen, you're not a mistake. You're not the wrong color. You're not the wrong gender, right? God designed you man he's designed you and the world is lying to you the enemy is lying to you to try and move you out of that image and likeness into the biggest lie that it can spin you for one purpose and that's to destroy you to mar what is inside of you to bring to death to an end that who you're supposed to be you are gloriously made by the lord with destiny and with purpose right because here's the thing did you choose your skin color? Can anybody choose their skin color? Can anybody choose their gender, right? 
You cannot choose those things. Those are sacred, holy things ordained by God, right? I heard Ravi Zacharias speak on um, such a beautiful story, man, and it touched my heart so much. He said he was doing a, a, a meeting uh, one night and, and there was a journalist that, you know, she wouldn't, would have left, but she was so intrigued that she actually stayed. And then she said, can I please walk you, you know, to, to your uh, accommodation and just talk with you? And she asked him this question and she said, um, why are Christians so aggressive aggressively against racism you know like christians hate racism they, they speak out against that thing and 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 obviously mistakes has been made in the past we all realize that as well um but remember because mistakes were made that doesn't mean that's what god believes that doesn't mean that's what theology says that that is isms racism nazism communism that's isms that's man-made ideologies that we create that governs society and it brings death and destruction because it's actually in opposition uh, to the kingdom of God. It's, it stands opposed to the value system of who God is, right? So because people did things in the past, that is demonic and it's wrong and people has been hurt and that's why we believe the crazy stuff that we believe because some guy got this weird idea that this is who we are or we need to kill that people group and listen it's not white and black it's tribalism as well man you can look throughout history it's just a mess right it's a mess and it's demonic why because the enemy wants to devour he wants to bring division so that we will fight against each other that we cannot get to that powerful place of unity that's there right Anyway, so this lady, so Ravi says, okay, and she says, but, but why does it, when it comes to homosexuality and the whole LGBTQ thing, why are, are Christians so silent about standing up for, for those people? And I thought it was the most amazing answer. And he just looked at her and he said, you have to remember that we believe that race and gender is a sacred thing. It is sacred. It is God-given. And to judge somebody based on their race or gender is absolutely against the very heart and value system of the kingdom and of God. And then he went on and he said, the other thing is, for us, the most holy, sacred relationship in our faith is that between a husband and a wife. Why? Because Paul compares it to Jesus coming back for the bride. He compares it to Jesus and the church. It is the most holy relationship is marriage between a husband and a wife. It's the most holy thing that there ever has been created. And when people touch on that, it touches on the holiness and the sacredness of who God is and who he made man and woman to be and family to be so that there can be peace and joy wherever we go, right? That's why it's such an issue, right? It, 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 it drives in against the very nature of God. It drives in against the image and likeness of God. And it's destroying lives everywhere, everywhere. And what's the issue? There's a void. There's a vacuum on the inside of man that only one can fill. They can reject him. They can deny him. They can mock him. They can ridicule him. But there's one that fills that gap, and his name is Jesus, right? That's the one that fills that gap and creates a sense of, listen, we are who we're supposed to be. Finally, I get who I am. Finally, my life has meaning and it has purpose, right? 
you are intricately woven together. You're mysteriously made majestic. You're a wonder to God. You're a sign and a wonder to the Lord. All creation, you're the crown of creation. God didn't make a mistake when he made you, you know. Um, so that's just the heart behind what I want to share tonight. And I'm going to get into one or two things, just kind of addressing these things, because why do I speak about gender and race? Because both are sacred and both are under attack. And, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, the organization, I'm not talking about the slogan, because I know people are trying to differentiate, and, and that makes sense. But the Black Lives Matter organization is absolutely anti-Christ, is absolutely anti-kingdom. You can go and read. This is from their website. I'm not joking. You can go read for yourself. This is from their website. This is what they actually say. This is part of their founding document, their mission statement. They say, we make space for transgender brothers and sisters to participate and lead. We are self-reflexive and do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege. Cisgender, cisgender, that means there's two genders, male and female. So they actually work to dismantle that idea. <laughs> I mean, that is just, that's what they said. It's in their statement, right? The next statement, they say, we disrupt, listen to this, because that's why I put the topic together. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages, not that collective care for one another, especially our children, uh, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. So they actually, one of their statements, they want to break up what they call the nuclear Western model of family. That means a father with one wife with children of their own. They want to break that up. They, say, they stand against that, right? The next thing, this is even better. We foster a queer-affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual. So, so they actually fight against that whole concept of a man and a woman created by God and man and woman comes together and they become one. So this is what these guys stand for. So listen, to bow and kneel to the, to the Black Lives Matter organization, that is just, it's not okay. You know, it's not a good, it's just not right, right? But to say that Black Lives Matter, absolutely, man, absolutely Black Lives Matter. I can't believe it more. But hey, farmers matter too. And white lives matter. All lives matter. Absolutely. But when a certain people group is being attacked, we should all have the courage to say that's wrong. That's not right what's happening there. All of us. doesn't matter the color of our skin. Right? When it, like, of course, black lives matter, man. You know, I, I think about it. The, the, the gruesome things humanity does to each other. Like, if you think of the farm murders, it is horrible and it is gruesome. And to me, it's not about black on white. To me, it's about people on people. That's the truth. It's people murdering people. It's God's creation doing that to each other. When I can tell you stories out of the villages and out of the townships nearby because we're involved, gruesome, gruesome stuff, black on black, different tribes on different tribes. It's a mess. It's a mess, right? We, and it's, we have an issue, but the issue is not the color of our skin. The issue is that we don't respect life. 
The issue is that we don't acknowledge that we have a creator. That's the issue. And because of that issue, we've done damage so bad. I mean, apartheid was just a demonic, horrible thing that we did. It was just disgusting, right? It's disgusting. I don't care what you think, right? It was horrible. There's, racism is horrible. God hates racism, just like he hates homosexuality, just like he hates adultery, just like he hates anger, and like he hates murder and theft. It is sin. It's a sin issue. That's the issue, right? And this afternoon, I was just praying, and the next minute I started laughing because I think about this stuff, and I think these guys that's pushing these agendas, they actually think they're in control. They're not. They're being played by demonic principalities and powers, and they don't even know it. They think they've got this thing covered. They don't even get what's happening. There's an enemy that's trying to destroy lives, their lives included. They just happen to be the guys, whatever, enough to open their mouths and to be the leaders in an absolutely anti-Christ environment, creating space for all of this craziness. So bowing to this is ridiculous. But acknowledging that we made mistakes, that is brave and that is godly. Listen, idiocy is not, mixed, uh, is not connected to the color of your skin. I've noticed that. I don't know about you. It's not connected to the color of your skin. I know white idiots and I know black ones as well. I'm sorry. People are just like, you go, what is wrong with you? But that's not, it's not a skin color thing. If you've messed up, then own up. Own up, man. Say, I messed up. If you need to repent because your structure, your organization was, was racist, then fix it, for goodness sake. Fix it. Listen, I sit sometimes and I, I sit with my friends in the villages and I hear their stories from apartheid and I cry with them and I think, how is it? And this is what we did to each other. Then I see the photos of farm murders and I think, how is it that we do this? Then I see those beautiful ladies with pregnant lady that got stabbed for no reason in a township by her own people. And I think, who have we become? How is it that this is who we are? Is this really who we are? And then what we're going to do is we're going to blame it on race or gender. Is, is that really the way we're going to do this? Is that how we're going to fix anything? We're not going to fix a thing by this. It is we're messed up. We, we, we need God. We need life to be restored on the inside of us. Right? We need the void to be filled. That we actually look at each other and think, oh my goodness, God made you and he thinks you're perfect. God made you and he thinks you're perfect. So who am I to treat you the way I'm treating you? Who am I to be racist or sexist? or feminist, or any of this stuff to a group of people, right? You are made in the image and likeness of God. And if you messed up, then own up and say, we made a mistake, guys, let's talk. But bowing is not going to fix a thing. It's not going to fix a thing. Listen, and sincerely, I wonder if anybody in South Africa feels better after people bow. Did it make anything better? You know what does make it better? Let's talk. Let's have honest conversations and say, guys, we, we messed up in the past. Listen, I don't, I don't feel you value me as a person. And then we need to reflect and we need to talk about this stuff. Look at your own life. How do you know you're racist? What is racism? Racism is quite simply when you um, 
when when you have a certain set of values that works for one group of people but it doesn't for another and what i mean with this is and, and by the way this is recent one of my friends he sits around my kitchen table the other day and he says you know what i was working at a, in a guy's um in a guy's garden a white guy's garden and uh, that guy refused to let me use the toilet at his house <laughs> i think I go to my and I like, and they know each other. It's not like it was the first day there, or you know. I'm thinking that that's crazy, isn't it? How, how do we do that, right? So, so what is racism? Racism is if you think of a certain group of people out of prejudiced thinking, so you treat them different based on the color of their skin. And this is a good example. Like for instance, you know, if I have a, a a black beggar coming to my door and I treat him one way and then a white one comes and I treat him a different way. That's racist, right? But if I can treat them both the same, that means I'm not seeing color, but I'm seeing in the spirit because what does scripture say? Second Corinthians 5, 16, we discern no one according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So I can say that I treat them both the same because I have white beggars coming to my house and I have Black beggars coming to my house. And I treat them the same. Now, what is that treatment like? If the Lord says give, I give. If he doesn't, I don't. I don't speak down on them. I treat them as human beings. I treat them with respect. Right? <laughs> That's what it's about. See, if he gets special treatment because he's white, then I'm screwing it up. Right? If white guests can drink out of my cup, but black can't, then obviously there's something wrong with me. Folks, and this is still happening. Right? This is still happening. Your thinking is wrong, you know. But for me, for instance, like <laughs> I, my kids know as well. Like I hate sharing. I hate sharing my water bottle. <laughs> I just hate sharing. I don't even share it with my children. The only one that can touch it maybe is my wife, right? I'm not sharing my water bottle with you ever. Get your own water bottle or take mine, but I'm not sharing it. Right? That has got nothing to do with racism. That's just the way I feel. I'm not going to share my water bottle. It's a stupid example, but it's actually true. So I stand in meetings and somebody wants to grab my bottle. I'm like, you're not getting my bottle. I don't care what color you are. You're not getting it. It's my bottle. Get your own bottle or take the bottle, but I'm not sharing. Right? But you understand if I'm only willing to share my bottle with, with white and not with black. Now that's a different story, right? So that's a different story. For instance, if, if, if a white guy comes to my house and he does work at my house, there's no way he's coming here if I'm not here. There's no way he's going to be in the house when my wife is not here. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how nice you are. I don't know you. You're not in my house when I'm not there. You're not, you're not going to be around my wife and my children when I'm not here, period. So if you're black or you're white, the same rule is going to apply. You're not coming in. The same, a white guy knocking on my door, if he's a stranger, he's not going to come in and have coffee with me. I don't know you. The same with a black guy. But if you're my friend, you can do anything in my house. You understand? So the, the principles are the same for all skin colors, types of people. That's how we should be. And if we can't act like that, we have to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, why do I feel like this? Listen, and history plays such a big part in this stuff. But what I mean with history is, is personal history. Like, I've sat with people, I've listened to their stories, and I listened to their childhood, what happened to that young black boy, the age of my children, and how he was just treated horribly by a white officer when he did nothing wrong. He was just being a kid. 
and called horrible names and cursed at. And that guy looks at me and he says with tears in his eyes, he's an old man now, he looks at me and he says, I, that's why I hate the language of Afrikaans. And I go, dude, I can probably understand that. Then I hear farmers telling me or people telling me that this is what happened. My wife got raped. My wife got killed by black guys. I, I can't, if I see them, everything inside of me goes like that. And I go, I can get that too. I can get that too, right? But what we can't do is say that that's all white people are like that or all black people are like that. Those were bad guys. Those were bad people doing bad things, right? And that's the way we have to see it. Otherwise, we're losing this battle. But if you were wrong in the past, own up and apologize. Change your behavior. Ask the Lord to help you fix this thing. Fix it. So that we can be different people, that we can be people of life and of the mercy of God, and not people that brings destruction wherever we go. Guys, this is so important that the church actually gets this right. Okay? The church needs to get this right. Um, I don't, can I go a little? I'm going to go a little bit more because I don't necessarily want to do this again but racism is rooted in fear that's the long and the short because you don't understand something and therefore you fear it you don't understand those that group of people so you judge it you know you 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 listen to a group of people and you decide because they speak funny that they don't speak like you that there must be something wrong with it <laughs> i was i was ministering in the ukraine one time so i'm sitting in the back of the taxi and um Man, it was, uh, it was just a fun experience. My friend from South Africa, he's sitting in the front and he's having a chat with, with his friend next to him. They're all speaking Russian. And right next to me in the car is like his five-year-old daughter. She's sitting next to me in the car. And she looks at me and, you know, I know like four lines, you know, I know like four lines that I learned in my time in, in the Ukraine. And uh, so I throw these lines and chat with her. And the next minute, you know, she just unleashes Russian on me. I mean, she's just talking to me, asking me questions, looking at me. And at some point, I just kind of, I kind of just look at her. I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't know what, what is that. I don't know what you're saying. I'm sorry. I don't have the language. And she looked at me. I mean, it's a kid, so it was just really funny. But I'll never forget it. She looked at me and I could see in her eyes, she looks at me and she's like, are you stupid or something? Why, why don't you speak the language? What's wrong with you? You know, like, well, are you dumb? What's wrong with you? You're a grown-up man. You can't understand what I'm saying. And that's kind of what we do to people because they have a different accent or they don't speak or they don't have the, you know, educational background that you have and you judge them based on those things, but you don't, but you struggle to see the heart of the person. That's wrong. And we can't live like that, right? We, we have to be different. We have to not be prejudiced and we have to judge according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. Now, this is, it's so real. And listen, we, you know, that, that story, this is the beauty about the gospel as well. I, I love uh, the parable in Matthew 25 about the, the talents. Remember that story, the one got five talents, the other one two and the other one one. The moral of that story was when you are faithful with what is given to you, you can multiply. It doesn't matter who you are. The guy with five had 10. The guy with two had four. The guy with one could have had two. And it could keep on multiplying. That's the beauty of the kingdom. And Jesus actually makes a statement in Luke 12, 48. And he says, from everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much, of him they will ask all the more. So listen, if you grew up in a privileged situation, Nothing wrong with it. It's okay. It is okay. It's not your fault. Stop apologizing for things that's not your fault. Stop apologizing for the fact that you're white or black. It's foolishness. It's absolute foolishness. 
Stop apologizing for the fact that you're a man or a woman. That's just, it's ridiculous. That's saying, God, you didn't know what you're doing. But the issue is, what do you do with the blessing that you have? That's the issue, right? And the issue is, if you have nothing, if you only have one talent, I want to encourage you, you can make it two. You can make it four. That can become eight. The kingdom allows opportunity for everybody because there's principles in place that allow supernatural grace and acceleration for everybody. But listen, if you are blessed, what are you doing with it? Are you making a difference? Are you helping? Are you uplifting those around you? Are you judging and you're angry and you just don't see the issue? You have to be able to see the struggle, right? You have to be able to see the struggle. Listen, guys, corruption is not a black issue or a white issue. It's a sin issue, right? Bad leadership is not a black issue or a white issue. It's a bad leadership issue. And we have to get our minds right about this stuff and start speaking the right conversations. You know, the main thing in life for all of us, the point of that story is that we get opportunities. And to get an opportunity is one thing, but to capitalize on the opportunity, that's a different thing. Because that takes character, it takes good decisions, and it takes a renewed mind by God. That's how you get into blessing, is when those things are in place, right? So opportunity is one thing, but the character of who you are, the image and likeness of God in you, that's what's going to create space for that thing to move and to go into greater blessing and greater abundance, right? That's the fact, is that when we get opportunity, how do we use it? You know, poverty, uh, one of my favorite scriptures, I'm going to start wrapping up, is Proverbs 10, verse 15. It says this, it says, the rich man's wealth is his fortress. The ruin of the poor is their poverty. I read that years ago and I thought, oh, that's an interesting verse, you know, because the ruin of the poor is their poverty. I thought that's an interesting way to say something. And suddenly this reality came to me that the rich man's issue is that he thinks that wealth is his stronghold. He's, he's, <laughs> he's captured. He's not a free man. He's actually heading for disaster, right? Because it's not wealth flutters away. Money is here one day, it's gone the next. The only thing that secures us is Jesus. And he says the poverty, the ruin of the poor is their poverty. The ruin and the poverty here speaks of a mindset. It speaks of a way of thinking that I'm a beggar. I grew up in a white house and I believe I had a poverty mindset my whole life until I met the Lord. I had a poverty mindset my whole life and I grew up in what would be to others, others great blessing. To others it would be not that much. It's got nothing to do with what I grew up with around me. The gospel changes my mentality. When the image and likeness of God comes on the inside of me, suddenly I go, okay, wow, it's okay for me to be blessed. There's abundance in God for me. There's always enough in God. I don't have to be jealous. I don't have to be a beggar. I don't have to be a beggar mentality or orphan spirit. But God loves me, accepts me, and he has promises for me, and his promises is true. And when we get to that space, our mindset is going to change. And we're not going to be ruined anymore. But the poverty mindset is what gets people. I understand if that is all you grew up around, that it's hard to break out of that. But again, I had the same issue. There's lots of people. I've met super rich people that has a greater poverty mentality than a lot of poor people I know. It's a fact. <laughs> right? it, it's not about 
what you grow up with. It's the way you think. And that thinking only renews and is transformed through the gospel when Jesus comes into your life. It's not a race issue. It's not a gender issue. It's not a poverty or a riches issue. Listen, of course, exposure and opportunities. Of course, of course, of course. Listen, please hear me. Don't misquote me. Of course, it makes a difference. Of course, it makes a difference. I have kids in my house. We've had orphan kids in our home all, all throughout life. The differences are massive when it comes about exposure and opportunity. It is absolutely a fact that it makes a difference. So don't deny that. That'll be foolish and crazy. But the gospel. But God can change that. But the principles of the kingdom produces life and it produces multiplication and it can change things. And those of you who have a lot, God says, if I've given you much, I'm going to keep you accountable for it. Listen, that's a frightening idea. It's a frightening idea. And you think you have nothing. Listen, you have something. Everybody is, there's always someone that has less than you. There's always somebody that had less opportunities than you or more, right? So whatever has been given to you, God's going to say, what did you do with it? Are you going to be like a guy with the one talent? I don't know, Lord. You know, I just hate it because ah, it's so little. It's not much. And God said, well, get out. What you would have had, I'm going to give to the guy who had everything. And you go, oh, that is crazy. No, God is saying, because I see in that guy, I can entrust with him with more. Because the little that he had, he made more. So that is, to me, a sign of trustworthiness, right? If we can be faithful in the image and likeness of God inside of us, this is important. If we can be faithful to the nature of God inside of us and we steward our lives in the right way, increase will come and breakthrough will come. But we cannot look at different people groups the way we used to. We cannot judge based on color. We have to change our behavior. We have to change our language. We have to celebrate different people groups, different genders. But there's only two genders. It's male and it's female. That's the way God made it. That's the way he designed it. And you're not trapped. You just need identity. You need God to come into that space and touch your heart and fix you. Right? We're not marginalized because of the color of our skin. We're marginalized because people are evil. But with God, anything is possible. Anything can happen when we have God. But when we get stuck in that place and we can't forgive and we stay angry and we stay prideful by saying, I don't care, I don't need to hear the story. You have to hear the story. You have to hear the story to get understanding so that you can go, oh man, okay, we messed this thing up. Okay, how can we do better? That's the only key. That's the only way we're going to progress. That's the only way we're going to see life restored. So guys, I know this is a lot right now. This is a lot, a lot that I shared tonight. The reason why I'm sharing on this stuff is I had a, a, this stuff has been on my heart for a while. But the other morning I was praying and literally it, it was Monday morning. As I was praying, I went into a vision and the next minute I see how suddenly we do revival meetings and like evangelistic meetings or church meetings and there's going to be altar calls where people come with racism or people are going to come with homosexual issues and it's going to be mass deliverance that's going to take place in that place because the truth is going to set us free. It's going to be like we usually call people for healing and stuff. We're going to call people for those things and gosh, it's going to come and he's going to set people free and it's going to be so powerful. But for that, we need to get right understanding. We need to get rid of this poverty thinking, wrong thinking. We need to get to the gospel and to the principles of the word and say, God, 
Life matters because you made it. So help me to see that that life matters. doesn't matter what's going on. doesn't matter if I disagree. doesn't matter if I think they look funny or something. They think I look funny too. They always mock me when I drink Coke out of a can. And they say, why can you white people drink Coke out of a can with your pointy noses? <laughs> and we laugh about it. We have fun about this stuff, man. We have friends. We laugh about our differences. We laugh about the weird eating habits that all of us have. My friends, they think it's super weird that I eat um, toast. They, they think it's absolutely bizarre, right? <laughs> and then I think some of the things they eat is bizarre. But we have fun about it. It's not an issue. We enjoy each other's differences. And we learn. And I actually like some of the things they eat now. And they like some of the things I eat now. And, and it's fun because it's people. It's people. It's image and likeness of God. That's what we're looking for. So, guys, I just want to... Pray over us tonight that we, as a group of people, will do better in this. That we will grow, that we will break through, that that image of God will be restored in all of us so that we can look at those around us and we can see that in them and we can pull it out of them because we recognize the hand of God. So let's just close, up, close our eyes and I'm just going to pray for us uh, real quick. So Lord, I just want to worship you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your mercy and for your goodness, Lord. Lord, I, I want to come. And Lord, I think of what you, humanity has done to each other. And Lord, it breaks my heart. And I cannot imagine how you look at it sometimes. Lord, the cruel things that we've done, the abuse we've done to our children, sexual abuse, just racial abuse, just, you know, genocide. Lord, all of these horrific things that we've done. And even sometimes in the name of the gospel or in the name of the Bible. And Lord, it is so far removed from who you are. Lord, I think of the pain that many of us have suffered at the hands of people. And unfortunately, we made that about a race or a group of people. And Father, I pray tonight for freedom in this. Lord. I pray that where we are hurt, where people disappointed us from different groups, different race groups, different social groups, different genders, Lord, I pray that you'll come and give us the capacity and the strength to forgive, to let go, and to see what we need to see. Lord, we are against those things. Father, I pray for people with a void on the inside tonight that, that feel like they're not where we're supposed to be. Father, I, you, the scripture says that when we cry out to you, you will come. And I pray that people will cry out to you because you will come and you will fill the void if we bow the knee and say, Lord, be King and Lord of my life. Lord, thank you for the sacredness and the holiness of race and gender. Thank you that both of those things are beautiful and it's to be celebrated because you made us and you made it and you made us the way we are. And Lord, with all our hearts, we are grateful and we thank you tonight for our amazing differences, how much we can learn from each other and for the beauty and the diversity that you've placed in creation. Lord, bring us together, unite a nation, unite a nation, Lord. Unite people, bring them together, bring peace and unity, Lord. Help us to break loose from the past and the present and to start seeing each other the way you see us. Father, that is the cry of our hearts. Give us understanding in Jesus' name. Guys, I want to thank you so much for, um, for joining us. I really hope it meant something to you and I hope it kind of helped a little bit. And if you have questions, you're welcome to send that through to us on, on you know, uh, Facebook or Messenger or something. And we can talk about this again. I'm not close to it at all. 
I just felt that this is something we needed to address in a time where the enemy is just really trying to destroy. And um, we've made so much progress as a nation. So let's keep on heading in that direction. Let's keep seeing the glory of the Lord and those around us and bringing out the best of the people around us. That is, after all, who we're supposed to be and who we're made to be. So God bless you guys. Uh, and we, we talk to each other soon. Thank you for listening to this session. We hope that you were blessed by it. For more information about the ministry, go to www.aflame.co.za or find us on Facebook and Instagram under Aflame Ministries. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.